You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania. We're also coming to you from Launceston. Now, each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. And he'll be continuing his series, Reflecting Jesus. Welcome, David. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. It's good to have you back with us live on air, mm. all the way from Launceston. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to be uh, doing live programs again. It's been a couple of months, I think eight weeks since we were on air together. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, so you'll be continuing again today uh, with another program in your series, Reflecting Jesus. Yes. Um, each time we start our programs, David, you normally share something about your life, a story or something like that. What have you got for us today? Yeah, I want to continue today, uh, Jason, talking about the blessings in my life that God has given me. And one of those in my Christian walk was uh, my health challenges. Now, it might be odd to share health challenges as a blessing, but it really has been. And I can share briefly how that's been. So in 2017, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and that was a bit of a shock to me. I used to be the kind of person that could, I could eat anything, um, and it didn't seem to bother me. But in 2017, I was diagnosed with this, uh, and, and it appears it's come from my time in the Air Force, um, some chemical exposures I had back then. Mm. So it's been a bit of a challenge since then, but in 2020, I, I had a minor heart attack, and that was uh, a stress-related heart attack. And um, I guess I'm the poster boy for the people who say, you know, stress can kill you. Well, it really can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so I had to make some changes in my life after that. And God has really continued to bless in our life despite these challenges. Now, these challenges have meant I've had to do things differently. I've had to learn how to manage my life better. I've had to learn to prioritize things. And the biggest learning for me, the biggest blessing for me out of this was a a, a verse in the Bible that my grandmother gave me, and it was the most meaningful after these challenges or during these challenges, specifically after the heart attack. Mm. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Interesting that it's the heart that's affected here. Mm. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Mm. And this was, a, this was a huge learning for me, that when things are happening in your life, you don't so much have to stress about them. Because as a Christian, God has permitted this thing to happen. Mm. He doesn't make them happen. The bad things that come your way... They're not from God, but they've all passed by his approval before you face it. And that was a really big thing for me. I I had to realize that, oh, hang on a minute. God has permitted this for a reason. Mm. And whatever's happening, I, I, I look at it and I think, okay, I can accept that. 
and God will give me the strength to get through it or he'll give me a way out. He's promised that in his word. Mm. So this was the biggest blessing in my Christian walk, that even through these seemingly terminal things, (laughs) God has his hand and he is going to have his way and he'll be He'll be blessed, he'll be glorified if I simply continue to follow him and go with the flow, if you like. I can very so much, that's been really important for me. I can very much relate to that um, yeah. as I've been through my own challenges. And it uh, certainly prepares you for, I guess, a different perspective, you know, going through something like that. It, it prepares it really you does. for this perspective that ultimately God is the one who's in control of our lives and if we can only mm. learn to put our complete trust in him mm. then we can uh, we can stress less we can worry less about whatever circumstances are going on yeah absolutely yeah now uh, just mm. want to remind our listeners we've got our show number 0488 text us in at some stage during the program we, we invite you to do that we'll have a question for you and we'll also have a free book offer so do write that number down so you can text us in 0488 880 and of course we've got our faith fm app uh, which you can download and listen if you are in an area or if you're traveling perhaps the uh, signal the reception on the radio is not so good you can download the app and you can listen to all of our programs, our live programs and our past programs, they're all available on the Faith FM Australia app, so you can download that. Or you can, if you're at home, you can listen on your computer as well on the Faith FM website. That's uh, faithfm.com.au. So, David, uh, today's program is titled Selflessness and Humility. Mm. Um, would you like to just you know, give us a, a, a brief intro before we get into that? Yeah, no worries. So, look, what I've been what I've been sharing in past episodes is this whole series is called Reflecting Jesus. The first one, uh, the first section of this was reflecting Jesus through what we share with people, like with what God has shared with us, and how we share those same things with others: freedom from guilt, freedom from death, victory over sin, and all of these things that we talked about. What I'm going to look at in this section is reflecting Jesus through meeting needs. How did Jesus meet the needs of others? And then how can we reflect Jesus by meeting the needs of others? Mm. So what I want to look at today is selflessness and humility, looking firstly at Jesus' selflessness and humility, and then how we reflect that in our life. Mm. But before we we do this, before we go to the first break, which is coming soon, I would like uh, listeners in our listener question, are you happy if I just share the listener question, Jason? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Right. So the listener question I thought of today, uh, perhaps they would like to text in their responses or views um, of the question or also anything that we're covering as we go through. Can you remember a time when you witnessed someone putting others before themselves? Can you remember a time when you witnessed someone putting others before themselves. And perhaps I can kick off with a um, something that I witnessed, mm. and that will give people maybe an idea of something to think about. My mum had uh, four children, and we adopted two girls. So we had six in our family. Uh, we had the two girls adopted after we had the uh, oldest three boys. I was the last of the three. And then we had no girls, and mum and mum was told she couldn't have any more children, and so 
or they sh she shouldn't have any more children, and they had two girls adopted one year after the other. And then mum fell pregnant <laughs> with my youngest brother, and she nearly died from that, but ended up, we had six kids. Once we were all towards the end uh, leaving home, when my brother was uh, getting ready to leave home, he joined the army as well. My mum went on and fostered another 35 children round about. That's amazing. Take mm. Over the next uh, 15, 20 years. And, and it was really incredible to watch the sacrifice my mum continued to do looking after these children. And fostering is very different from adopting mm. because sometimes you'll put all this time and effort into a child and then only they, to see they get them moved go, on. Yeah only to see them go back to the place where they came mm. from. Mm. And that can be really difficult for people. Um, difficult for the carer, you know, because they've they've provided a better environment for the child and then the government comes and takes them away and sends them back to where they were. Mm. And it can be terribly distressing. But mum continued to do that. And that's where I saw someone putting others before themselves. Um, and And I think that's notable yeah I for sure do. absolutely i think uh, to be able to do that requires a special um a special person to be mm, able to yeah. open their home to uh strangers in essence yeah. and uh, to learn to love them and care for them like their own children yes yeah, so a kudos to all the fosterers out there absolutely absolutely mm. um i'm i was just going to add into there by um for me uh, personally my wife is very uh considerate and often considers uh people before herself um and she comes from a family who are a bit like that so they're they're all very considerate of of other people's needs and i know mm. that when we get together as a family sometimes it's uh it's a little bit difficult to make a decision where we're going to go and what we're going to do because everybody's considering everyone else and it takes a yeah. little while to come to a uh, you know consensus but they're no, very no considerate selfish yeah, yeah that's right nobody wants to be selfish and uh <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's good. very interesting. But anyway, good. we we're going to go to our first break. But uh, while we do, remember the question: Can you remember a time when you witnessed somebody putting others before themselves? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. This is Who Am I by Chosen Road. Told me 
sin will look on me with love and watch me rise again. Who am I that the voice they call the sea would call? listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with David Maxwell on the topic of selflessness and humility and this is on his series Reflecting Jesus. Before the break we asked you a question. Share with us something that um, sorry we've got a different question here David. Do you want me to share the different question or the other question? <laughs> yeah, the one we mentioned earlier. Okay, the one we mentioned earlier was, can you remember a time when you witnessed someone putting others before themselves? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. So, uh, David, before the break, you said that we're going to look at this topic of Jesus' selflessness and humility, mm. and I think it's time to get into that and start to unpack it. Yeah, great. Thanks very much, Jason. Well, look, as I suggested, we, um, we, we want to show what the Bible teaches. This is very important about Jesus' selflessness and humility, not just perhaps what you've heard, but how we can display this in our life. But first, I'm going to pray, and then I'll get you to read the passage that we're going to look at today. Thanks, Jason. So let me pray. Thanks. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can come and open your word today. Lord, please give us understanding and speak to each person listening today. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. 
Alright, so we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11. Fabulous passage. Uh, maybe you could read that today in the New King James. Is that alright, Jason? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So this is Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11 in the New King James. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Jason. I love those verses because it really tells us what Jesus, who Jesus is, and what he's done. I don't know if you've ever seen a program on TV called Undercover Bosses. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. I, I think I've probably watched one or two episodes. Yeah, I'm yeah. about the same. I didn't find it that interesting, but it, it is interesting to watch what, he, what they do. Mm. Um, this, the, the boss of the company, uh, for whatever reason, wants to see what their employees are really like, and they go undercover and they pretend to be a new employee. So mm. sometimes they wear different, um, you know, wigs and glasses and facial hair and stuff like that. Other times they just dress like um, like an employee and the employees don't know who the boss is. So they, they must be a bit distant from them. Mm. But they pretend to be a new employee and they do it for a number of reasons. But in the end, the boss comes forward and explains who they are. They're the boss, you know, and all that. Mm. Um, and why they're there. Sometimes bad behaviour is exposed. Other times, though, good employees are rewarded so they actually see the person as they are. The essence of the show is to expose people for who they are, either for good or for bad, you know, when they're least expecting it. You know, mm. who, who are you? And it's interesting, when, when I was um, younger, very young, and was starting to get interested in girls, my mum said to me once... <clears throat> Don't just go out with one girl. Um, go out with a group of people, you know, guys, girls, you know, go out with a group of people and in different places, different scenarios. So you get to see what people are really like, mm. you know, because you can't wear a mask always. Mm. So she said that because she said, you want to really know who someone's like before you, you know, get close to them. Mm. So I, I thought this was very interesting, the, the undercover bosses uh, concept, because in some ways it's similar to what Jesus did when he was here. First, we've seen in previous presentations in the Bible, in John in particular actually, that, that it goes to great lengths to show us who Jesus is. So John 1, 1 to 2 and 1 John 1, 1 to 3, Revelation 1, 18, 11 to 18, tells us that Jesus is God. 
that's quite important. In John 1, 3 to 4, it says that he's our creator. In John 1, John 3, First John 1 and Revelation, all these books by, by John, written by John, it shows us he's our redeemer. Um, he's from heaven, he came to earth, and he lived like, like one of us. And we read that in, in John as well. Now perhaps, perhaps it might be a good idea for me to read uh, just briefly in John chapter 1 verse 14 the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so this is Jesus coming to the earth becoming one of us first mm. John 1 1 to 2 uh, John writes this epistle and as you read if you've if you've never read first John 1 um, read it because it's a passionate recounting of what they realized they had in their hands first John 1 2 the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested to us. It was almost like they're saying, he, he's saying here, you know, we now get it. We know what we've lost. We had God right there with us and he walked along beside us. Mm. So all of these verses actually show that he had the power, all the power and authority of heaven and yet he doesn't appear like that when he comes, does he? No, he, he gave a glimpse of it, but only just a glimpse, mm. wasn't it? Yeah, he comes a mm. bit like the undercover boss, doesn't mm, he? That's right, yeah. <laughs> so he's the creator king of the universe, and he appears very differently when he comes. Mm. Um, in Matthew twenty-two forty-two, Jesus addresses the Pharisees, um, and he's talking to them. Let me just briefly read that one, uh, Matthew twenty-two forty-two. And he says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. So they're looking for this, this Messiah, this Redeemer that's going to come through the lineage of David. Very important for them. Mm. Um, but he didn't quite fit the bill, did he? He didn't because he, uh, he didn't declare himself king and <laughs> take over and conquer the Romans. Yeah, yeah. And he challenges them because he asks this really, really difficult question. And he states that even King David saw his heir that was to come to be the God most high or the Lord. And, and Jesus was quoting this example to show them that the Messiah who would come would be of the lineage of David as prophesied, but at the same time he'd be God himself. Mm. But the Jewish leaders couldn't see it. Mm. it. It's interesting, the pagans, you know, the wise men from the east, if you like, um, they, they knew of these prophecies of the coming king. Mm. And, and I wonder if this is from the Babylonian, you know, a fallback to the Babylonian times where they'd heard about uh, this, this Messiah that was going to come from Daniel. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. But these wise men from the East, they knew about the prophecies and they come to Jerusalem seeking him. And they, they knew the, the time as well when it was going to happen. That's right. That's mm. right. You know, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm sure they were surprised to find when they arrive, there's very little knowledge about him, very little public knowledge. Mm. This is about two years after Jesus is born. And, and the, you know, this, this supposed promised king and redeemer, what a powerful testimony mm. that, that this Messiah was for the whole world, not just for the Jews. You know, these wise men from the East coming and trying to find this king, not just the Jewish king for them, but the Jewish king for the wise men of the East as well, you know, for all the world. However, 
with the knowledge the scribes clearly had, how is it that this babe, born not more than two years before and announced by the angels of heaven through the shepherds of Bethlehem, generally goes unpronounced and uncelebrated? It's it's just mind-boggling. Mm. Um, you know, this is this is Emmanuel, God with us, you know, it, as explained to Mary by the angel Gabriel. It wasn't just an ordinary child. The child is to be really special. Great things were foretold, and and I, I imagine that these things Mary barely grasped them. You know, she she really wouldn't have really understood it all very much at all. Ima- imagine Emmanuel, God with us. God has finally, after all of this time, visited mankind in the most unusual way, not as a crowned king. We'll talk more about that after the next break. But he didn't have the trappings of a king. He didn't have the the acknowledgement of king of kings and lord of lords, who he really was. But rather he comes as a lowly babe, born to poor parents, in an animal stable because there's nowhere else. Nobody else opens their home up and says, hey, look, this must be the, you know, the family of the king. They, they just don't recognize him. Mm. And he's forgotten. He lives in a meager existence among the backdrop of a humble, unrecognized Jewish family. And I wonder, I wonder why he didn't come the way he could have come. Um, the very creator of the people he came to save. Wouldn't they have acknowledged him if he had shown his glory, his power, his brightness and all of that stuff? Well, remember undercover bosses. Mm. Why did they hide their identity? Well, what do you think, Jason? I guess so that they can really get to know the people uh, for who they are without, um, you know, having them have to put on some sort of show for them. So it's about getting to mm. know each other, I guess. Yeah, uncovering their true characters, yeah. I think. Mm. You know, if Jesus came as the powerful king of the universe and you saw him come down from heaven and he lived on the earth for those, you know, that, that time he came, three and a half years or whatever it was, who wouldn't bow the knee? Because he's got all the power and the glory and you'd be foolish not to if you saw his might. Mm. But perhaps that's not the kind of king he is and perhaps it's not the kind of subjects that he wants. Mm. But we'll talk more about that after the break. We're going to go to a break, but remember our listener question. Can you remember a time when you witnessed someone putting others before themselves? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488-880-891. This is Travis Cottrell with At the Name of Jesus. to 
Listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and we're speaking with David Maxwell on his series Reflecting Jesus. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Now, David, before the break, you were saying that perhaps Jesus is not the kind of king the world was really expecting. Hmm. Would you like to expand that? You know, help us understand that better? Yeah, no worries at all. Thanks, Jason. So I, I said before the break, he, he, if he came in all his heavenly glory and might, who wouldn't submit, right? I, I suggested that perhaps that's not the kind of subjects he wants, people who are just going to bow to power when they saw it. Um, maybe that would be the wrong motiv- motivation. So when Jesus was 12, um, his parents forgot him in Jerusalem. And I don't know I don't know how people could do this, you know, forget <laughs> your kids. But you they, know, They might not have been quite so concerned about kids in those days like today. Yeah, today maybe. we're overprotective. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, I, I think I read somewhere that perhaps he was with um, the extended family. So there was a very large extended family. And so, you know, Joseph and Mary just thought he was with the extended family. Um, perhaps after 12 years of getting to know Jesus, they knew he wouldn't be getting up to mischief. Um, yeah. So, look, when he was only 12, they forget him. They head out. Uh, they finish the Passover feast. They leave. And after some time, they realize Jesus wasn't with the extended family. So now I think they must start to panic. And they go back to Jerusalem to find him after about three days of looking can you imagine that mm, that's a long time all through <laughs> jerusalem i've been to jerusalem it's a it can be a big place so you know you could easily lose someone there yeah. i'm amazed actually that he survived almost four days without other raid um at the age of 12 mm. but i'm sure someone must have taken him in um because he had this wisdom he had this manner of speech he was respectful but he was challenging in his communication with these leaders Mm. and after this incident by the way they eventually find him so for those who are wondering (laughs) after this incident the bible says that jesus increased in wisdom and stature or maturity and in favor or grace 
with man and God and man, and that's in Luke 2, 52. Mm. Jesus' character, even from this early age, was one of grace rather than one of power and might. And that's unfolded as we see who he befriends in his adult life as he starts his ministry. So as he starts his ministry later, uh, when he's around 30 years old, um, in Jerusalem, Judea and the surrounding areas, he's constantly getting in trouble, inverted commas if you like, from the Jewish leaders because of who he associates with. Rather than hobnobbing with the elite, you know, coming and spending time with the the Jewish religious elite, uh, he, he spends time with the common people. Now, Jesus was the king of the universe, and the kings we are used to used to wear splendid robes, were surrounded with beautiful and valuable things. You know, they they keep everything the best for themselves. I guess our politicians aren't that much different today. Mm. Um, You know, they've got a higher income than anyone else that I know, just about, except for some private business people. And they wait on people, and the people that that, that are waiting on them are actually dressed immaculately. Um, they really are and they seem comfortable the kings seem comfortable in that kind of surrounding but Jesus presents an altogether different sort of king he comes and he spends time with us those who are sick the lame the blind the mute generally the outcasts of society because people used to believe then that if you were sick it was because of sin Mm. so you were outcast you were cut off from you know the religious leaders and the religious elite so Jesus comes, and in Matthew twenty six six it says that he heals lepers. Let me just read that quickly for you. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon, the leper, it adds this terrible word. Uh, leprosy was a terrible thing. They used to have to, um, they, they, were, had, they were shunned by society. They had to live outside of the, the city often, and they had to go around ringing a bell, unclean, unclean, so people would get out of the way and not be contaminated by this leprosy. Mm. A woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. That woman was a prostitute. So here is a leper, a healed leper, by the way. Jesus had healed him. Mm. And a prostitute. And people are starting to frown on the kinds of people Jesus is associating with. So he heals the lepers. He spends time in their homes. He casts out demons. He accepts people into his inner circle, these people who have been healed. Mm. He accepts them into his inner circle. You can imagine why the religious leaders were frowning on the kind of person he was. Oh, it was completely different to their mindset, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, people say, uh, it's been said, that you're known by who you associate with. Mm. Nothing was different. This, this is what they were looking at Jesus. Jesus was certainly a different kind of king than the one they expected. So throughout Jesus' ministry, he had this favourite title to refer to himself, and it was the Son of Man. As we've seen... Jesus was entitled, as we read in Philippians earlier, Jesus was entitled to a much higher claim and title. But he chose this one for a reason. When you do a Bible search, you'll find that there are 208 uses of this, uses of this title in the Bible. 93 are in Ezekiel. That's really interesting. One's in Daniel, referring to Christ. There are 31 in Matthew 14 in Mark, 26 in Luke, and 11 in John. 
and these places are the ones where Jesus refers to himself by this title. The first mention of the title Son of Man, though, is in Numbers 23:19, And God, you might remember the story of Balaam, how he's called by Balak, the king, and he, um, Balak wants him to curse the Israelites so that he'll, they'll, they won't be able to um, defeat him or, or be a problem to him. So he calls him um, and he, he can't curse them. God won't let um, Balaam curse them. So here, God affirms to Balaam and Balak his power, his might and authority above all the kings of the earth. And he actually states here that he's not a son of man, that he should do the things that people do. And he doesn't need to repent. He doesn't need to do any of these things that people do. He's above all of that. Yet in his ministry, Jesus cons this title for himself, the son of man. Because I believe it's precisely how much he wants to identify with mankind and connect with our frailties and our failings. He wants us to know that he really has become one of us. Mm. That's, I think that's important. Mm. About 30 years ago, when I took a, a posting uh, in the Air Force to Perth, um, for a long time we were considered, not necessarily wise men, but we were considered from the East, right? Because we weren't born and bred West Australians. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it's a little bit like that when you come to Tasmania. You yeah, know, the north Tasmania. and the south. <laughs> You're from the mainland. Yeah. Um, West Australians are, are, are quite a different breed. They're fiercely independent. There was for a long time when mining was really good, they wanted to cut West Australian off from the rest of Australia. <laughs> there are still border, um, you know, checkpoints where there's a boom gate and you have to, th- you know, throw things out. Um, the east side of Australia, I don't believe there's any of that anymore. But it wasn't until we'd been there for over 15 years that people were starting to infer that we were one of them. Mm. <laughs> they might not think so now we've come back over east. Perhaps if Jesus had come as who he really was, the common, genuine, God-seeking people might have felt that they weren't deserving to be in his presence. Mm. What do you think? Mm. I think... Um I think Jesus was really uh, trying to relate to the common people. I think he mm. was he was there, um, yeah, not not setting himself above, not setting himself, you know, you know. The, I guess the elite. It's sort of this us and them, wasn't it? And he became mm. part of the people, you know, the, yeah, the ordinary everyday people, part of us. Mm. Yeah. I think if he had to come in all his pomp and glory, those that were out like like that outwardly, but not so much inwardly, would have been drawn to him. But those truly seeking God, perhaps, might have felt a bit more shunned. You know, oh, we 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 don't we don't belong with the elite. Mm. So I believe he came as one of us, like a commoner, to reach those who are really seeking God with all their heart. Mm. 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 Well, David, um, it's time to give our free book offer away. And, Mm. of course, Jesus also came, and when he was here, he spent time with people. Mm. And uh, this book is sort of about spending time with God, and uh, it's called A Time For You. Mm. It says, The only thing that God declared holy about uh, out of creation was a part of time. That's the Sabbath. Life, as we cease from labor on one day out of seven, we renew and restore our spirit by the worship of the author of life, our creator. The Sabbath is sacred time that is set apart from meeting with our heavenly father. 
In order to truly benefit from sacred time, we must put an end to our striving for space. We must cease from all labour. We must stop the expenditure of life to acquire things. If life is only labour, we will have wasted it. Now, we're going to give you the code straight after the break, but right now, this is Hilary Scott and the Scott family with the faithful love of Jesus.
listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM. And we're finishing up our program today with David Maxwell on the topic of selflessness and humility. Now, before the break, we promised a code to give away this book. It's called A Time For You by Mike Tucker. We would love to give you this book today, and all you need to do is text in the code REFLECT16. So that's R-E-F-L-E-C-T-1-6. No spaces. Text that into 0488-880-891, and we can get you a copy of this book sent out to you. Now, before the break, David, we were talking about how Jesus came as a commoner, and uh, perhaps that... uh, that would attract people, and he could connect to people who were truly seeking God, the ordinary people. Mm. Would you like to just expand on that as we finish off today? Yeah, sure. No worries. Thanks, Jason. I don't know if you've ever met someone who seems to know it all. They've done it all. Um, they feel they're above everyone else. I've met myself, uh, David, because I was like <laughs> that when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I- I've met a few people like this. They seem to be filled with self-aggrandizement. You know, they they make you feel um, inferior. Uh, you don't really want to be around them, do you? Mm. You know, they repel people. However, I've also met a few people who are very wise, but appear selfless and humble. I met a lady who was in her 90s like this. Oh, she was a beautiful lady. <clears throat> they lift other people up. They seem to enjoy making others shine rather than themselves. And these people are really attractive. Um, I say that in inverted commas. Um, they tend to draw others towards them because they're positive and affirming. Unfortunately, as humans, we're we're pretty much born selfish and proud. Um, that's the way we are. Even children, you know, seem to want to show themselves off, <laughs> and that's just children being children. Yeah. But it seems to have this underlying evidence of who we are as human. Um, people who are humble and selfless aren't aren't born that way. It's behaviours that are learnt and caught rather than imitated so much from our parents. Um, or sorry, um. Uh, inherited by our parents often it's imitated as we've already seen jesus was by nature different to us you know he appeared as the son of man but he was also god and he was unselfish and humble by nature Um, we see this right from the very start in his life you know god chose that he would come through this family joseph and mary this humble family rather than in a palace Um, He also chose that he would grow up as a carpenter's son in a poor family. No pomp and ceremony, um, but rather he was going to be an obedient, godly child to humble, godly parents. Even as his ministry was beginning, he sought the company of those who were outcasts, as we talked about before, uh, people like fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, zealots and the unclean of society these he called friends family and disciples imagine if your church was made up of people like this Mm. um well maybe maybe it is is. (laughs) maybe it is (laughs) but isn't that why we have so many problems in churches because people are like this and these are the people that are attracted to jesus Mm. they're the people that he really wants to change and that want to be changed So throughout his ministry, he shuns this public acknowledgement for his miracles and famous words and deeds. He often said, don't tell anyone, 
you know, keep it quiet. But people can't keep it quiet when they used to be crippled and now they can walk or the demons are cast out or, or they had leprosy and now they don't have leprosy anymore and they're not shunned. Mm. So, you know, people tend to talk. He constantly taught his disciples to be kind and forgiving and humble and selfless. <coughs> Sorry, I still have this COVID cough. But throughout his ministry, his... Oh, I'll, I'll just mute David while he has a bit of a cough there. <laughs> Sorry about David. I think he's muted himself. Uh, he'll be back shortly. Um, David's still just uh, got a lingering cough. Sorry about that. Yeah. Right. So interesting, it wasn't until after Jesus died and risen and went back to heaven that they really understood his character and mission. Only as they reflected on Jesus' words and they prepared um, to receive the help of that the Holy Spirit who was going to come, did they really grasp what Jesus wanted to, for them? So back in um, back in uh, Philippians, I want to read again two of the sections, but I want to mix them around. I want to read the second section. And I want to read the first section. So five to eleven. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of the bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance of man as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This, this is how Jesus came. This is Jesus' desire for you and me. Um, it's interesting that because of this desire that Jesus has for us, this is the way he wants us to be. We can only be like that if we have the mind of Christ. So then I want to read the beginning part. Therefore, if, if any consolation, maybe, um, Jason, do you that. have... Yep. Yeah, could you read verse 1 to 4, please? Sure. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I'd like to suggest, thanks, Jason, I would like to suggest that unless we have the mind of Christ, unless we are, unless we are filled by the Holy Spirit and we have this mind, we can't be like that. Mm. We can't be like Christ. We can't be like-minded unless we have his mind. That's basically what he's saying. So I, I bring you back to the opening illustration what was the intention of the bosses who hid their tr true identity from the workplace? They wanted to reveal the character of their employees, either to expose or reward. Mm. The same is true for God. If he would appear in all, all his glory today, most, if not all, who were smart enough would bow the, bow the knee so that they wouldn't be destroyed. Mm. But perhaps they wouldn't be truly converted, and later on maybe they would reveal slowly their true character. And we've already seen what happens with that, with Satan and what he's done. So we don't want that again. So Jesus seeks those who are truly fit for heaven. 
those who desire their sinful nature um, to be changed. They want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and changed into his character. So as we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives each day, we will change and we will transform into the humble and selfless people God wants us to be because we will be, as it says in Romans 12:2, transformed, not by force or compulsion, but willingly. How about you? Do you see the traits of humility from Jesus' character and selflessness coming out in your life? If so, great. Stay connected to him each day. If not, why not ask him to come in and start that important change in your life today so that you too can reflect his nature to others? Mm. That's really the key, isn't it? Maintaining Mm. our relationship each day with him so that we can also share in his attributes, his character, and uh, you know we're far from perfect, but we we uh, desire to follow after Christ's example. Mm. David, mm. what have you got for us next time, next week? Yeah, next week I'm going to talk about a topic called feeding the hungry. What did Jesus do? How did he feed people? And that might be an obvious question, but as we look into it, I think you'll find a bit different from what you might be thinking. Awesome. Look forward to that next week with David. And tomorrow we've got Natalie Moore and Tabitha. Tabitha and Natalie recorded this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Tantrums and Theology. Sounds interesting. Mm. I think it's mm. uh, it's going to be a great program, particularly for people who are mothers. And uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to tune into that. Also, remember um, Peter Watts. He's got his program coming up called Is God For Real in Glenorchy. Just Google or go to your web browser, Is God For Real Glenorchy, and you'll find the booking details for that. That's starting this Sunday at uh, 4 p.m. in Glenorchy, Tasmania. So if you're from Tassie, don't miss that. He'll be talking about things like, does God exist? Is there anything we can trust? Did we really evolve? Why so much suffering? All really good questions, but this is uh, our time for today, and we just pray that you have a great day wherever you are and that God's presence is with you. Thank you, David, and we'll be with you again next week. See you then. This is Love One Another by Carly Fletcher. you